This is the Wonder and Welcome podcast, a conversation about parenting and following Jesus. My name is Shannon. And I'm Seth. And I am so glad today to introduce two of my favorite people on this planet. Two of the people I met. The first people I met. Yes. (laughs) My parents. Uh, Rick and Gail Hine. Why uh, Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? I'm Rick. And I'm Gail. <laughs> <laughs> Proud parents of Seth. Yeah. In laws of Shannon. Yeah. So we, um, well, we wanted to have you guys on ever since we started thinking about doing this podcast. Um, but then recently, our family of churches at a uh, pastor's conference had a seminar for parents. And Mom and Dad, you guys, uh, plus two other friends of ours, Kurt and Brenda McCutcheon, uh, led that seminar. And at the end of it, we just kept hearing people say, oh, I wish I wish this went longer than just an hour. I wish we could hear more from you guys. And so we thought, oh, we'd love to uh, get you guys on a podcast episode to talk about some more uh, some more thoughts. And honestly, it worked out really well because when we were brainstorming guests and Seth said, who should be our first guests on the podcast? I said, well, realistically, it should and would be wonderful if it could be your parents. Do you think we could talk them into that? And we both kind of were like, uh, probably not. But I feel like the Lord we just did. kind of set this up for us here. <laughs> oh, well, we're grateful to be here. Yeah. So we were we were chatting earlier. One of the things that came through loud and clear in the seminar uh, was your value of prayer and how you guys prayed for us. And uh, I know you guys had some had some more thoughts on things you wanted to share about praying for your kids. There were a few things that um, I had thought of. One is like if you have a child that's really struggling in high school or any time or kind of a wayward child, like when they get out of your house and just to really commit them to prayer Mm -hmm. and um, ask God, Hey, is there a verse that you want to give me for them? Is there something you want me to pray over them? Is there um, something you want me to do to, to help them through this time? And then also to get friends around you to pray for them. Um, it can be your age. It can be older. A lot of older people would love to pray for kids, yeah. um, for families and kids. Yeah. We were years ago, we knew a pastor in Florida and his, they, uh, him and his wife, uh, their daughter was going through a really difficult time, kind of a rebellious time and she just started praying i mean she'd been praying but she was at the end of a rope said god what do you what do i what do i do here what help me know what to do and she just felt like the holy spirit told her take her grocery shopping which seems like kind of a benign activity so she did she took her grocery shop so every week she go to the grocery store she took her daughter and what ended up happening is her daughter ended up coming out of whatever it was because she felt like they had an older son who had walked away from the Lord. And she felt the daughter had felt like mom, her mom and dad were actually deferring their attention and their love toward this older brother. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that her mom took her grocery shopping, which 
this this uh, pastor's wife said she would have never thought of in a hundred years is what kind of brought her daughter back on track. And so, you know, God made those kids. He made your kids. He created them. He knows what's best for them. And a lot of times, I mean, let's just face it, we just we just don't know what to do. And so you pray mm-hmm. with the anticipation, the expectation that God's going to speak and give you some give you some help. Yeah. And it's good to read books and good to listen to things, um, get counsel from other people. But don't forget to pray because God will show you specific things for each child um, on what to do. And um, yeah, Yeah. I I remember. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, could you is there a story or two you could share of of a, a time Maybe you remember God speaking to you or God giving you things that you really prayed for? Well, one is I always prayed for you boys that you would really fall in love with Jesus and know him so real that you Mm. could not get away from him, Mm. that you just couldn't deny him Mm. because he'd be real to you. Another time is for you, sometimes I would have trouble disciplining you or knowing what to do. And a lot of times I did it wrong, but then God would say afterwards, well, if you would just do this or say this, Hmm. and I didn't always think that way. I think I disciplined before I was listening to, okay, God, what do you want me to do here? But there were times he would do that with me. I, uh, I wasn't the easiest kid. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast's not long enough for that. Seth. Yeah, yeah. We'll just carry just on. <laughs> but your dad had different prayers that he prayed for you guys. Yeah, yeah, I had mentioned that in the seminar. There were scriptures that I prayed over both you boys. And hmm. yeah, I mean, it's just amazing to look back and see how God's, you know, specifically answered those things. So that's, mm-hmm. that was really encouraging. Yeah. Mom, in those just to tease this out a little bit more um, because there may be people here listening who are maybe newer to following Jesus or, or, you know, different backgrounds. And they're thinking what God spoke to you and told you, what does that even look like? Well, it, it just kind of would be there. I go, Oh, well that makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah. that would work. It'd be a thought, Mm -hmm. usually a thought Mm -hmm. or, um, I know why I prayed for you guys, you know, that you would really fall in love because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And sometimes knowing God's love and care for me was hard for me. And I just I would see kids, you know, go to high school, go to church, but then get out into college and they would just go their own way and kind of forget about God. And I just didn't want that for you boys. I just wanted you to so know him that you wouldn't stray from him, that you couldn't, it would be like a best friend. You couldn't get away from him. You'd know he was so real. And um, so I think God just laid that on my heart or gave me a desire to pray that. Yeah. And it started early on. I think the story, Seth, you were premature. Uh, you were born premature five weeks early. But even when when Gail was first pregnant, <clears throat> the the very one of the very first appointments she had, uh, the doctor told her, "Look, there's a ten percent chance you're going to keep this baby." 
and we were living in Michigan at the time and we were moving, we were going to move that week in, in a U-Haul from Michigan to California. And he said, you need to put this off. And hmm. so anyway, your mom just prayed and she felt like God gave her a promise that just, and, you know, just, she had this thought that a couple of things, number one, she's going to have this baby. And number two is going to be a boy. And, uh, she just never, never wavered from that. And we went through some times that first month or so where it looked like she was going to lose this baby for sure. And, um, but, but God was faithful and she heard from God. So, but I really got to the point during that time to really, um, battle with them. I said, okay, God, if you want to take this baby, it's in your hands. I mean, I just really battled with them on that one, Hmm. but then felt like he had given me a verse and it was just, there. I mean, it was Hmm. just in my heart then. If someone were to hear that advice and say, well, I've been asking God for something, for an idea, for a scripture, and I don't feel like I'm getting anything specific, what might you say to someone in that situation? Well, there have been things in my life that I've prayed a long time for, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times don't see anything. And Rick always say, Gail, you don't know what God's doing in the heavenlies or he's mm-hmm. doing. He's do he's always doing something. You may not see it, but he's doing it. Mm-hmm. So um Yeah. I, I yeah, Jesus said one time they I forgot what the question was, and he said, My father's always at work. And he, he actually said that my father's always at work. So we can have confidence. Even when we don't see him at work, God's at work somehow, some way. He's doing something. And so I think the other thing, Shannon, I would say is grab someone, um, you know, get a support team around you, especially some people maybe who are older and they've been through some battles in terms of raising kids and whatnot, and just get them to pray with you and or just say, look, would you be willing to pray for my kids and me and my husband or my wife and Here's what's going on. And we really just, we want to get some people to stand with us. I think the encouragement we get from people who have gone on before us is just so valuable. And just, not just, it's just, just such an encouraging word sometimes can get us through some really dark times. Especially when you're in the midst of it, you think, is this, you know, you just, a lot of times you just fear the worst, especially for your kids. And so it's tough to see light at the end of the tunnel, but you just, you got to hang on to things. And sometimes people maybe have gone through some things before us are a real help to us. Mm -hmm. And you feel like you're not the only one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You go, oh yeah, they went through it too. Yeah. I know you guys really blazed the trail in terms of community. Previously, we were in a group of churches that kind of, you kind of moved around a bunch. And so just somewhere for a few years and then um and yet i don't know if we said this at the beginning um you were a pastor most of your life mm-hmm. um and so most of my growing up you were a pastor um but then coming into the family of churches we're in now where community is valued we weren't moved around and um so most of uh, most of my teenage years living in the same town in the same church having the same friends, having your friends care about us. It wasn't just like, oh, these are, these are 
mom and dad's friends. Yeah. It was like there are friends, you know, they were in our house at holidays and uh, for fun mm-hmm. and get together and we'd see them at church and it was, I don't know, just people we could trust, you know. So I knew I knew they were in our corner. And um, I think just looking back on that, realizing that was that's really special and not not everyone has the benefit of those um, yeah. relationships that have gone on for years. Yeah, I think that definitely played a part in it. I know even when I was on staff, um, you know, there was such an emphasis on relationships that we never felt like, okay, I've got my job here. We've got the family here. It's, uh, you know, um, John Lamperman, who was the senior pastor and the guy that I work for primarily, he would always ask, you know, hey, how are things going with Gail? And, and something. Gail was a secretary for a while. And, He'd walk in and Gail would be there and he'd say, Gail, how's Rick treating you? <laughs> you know? And it was kind of funny and stuff, but she knew that if there was an issue, she could share it with John. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we'd have a little come to Jesus meeting. <laughs> How do you go about building relationships that have that safety where you really trust that what someone has to offer you is is for your good and it's, not to put you down. It's not to criticize your kids or your parenting. There are people that God joins you with that are gracious. And I think those are the people that you really feel you can be honest and vulnerable with. People who tend not to be very gracious, you're a little bit more guarded around them. They can still be friends and whatnot. But I think there's there are people, like I said, for us, it was usually people who were a bit older, some you know, not, not too much older, but they were a bit older than us and walked through some things before us. And they just, I think the common thing was they had grace for us and for others and they had wisdom. And I just, we were just around them. Like Seth said, we were, the job was such a relational deal and we were all in when it comes to the church. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I just think we were, we were able by God's grace to build these close friendships, and we just knew that when we needed help, um, which we did, that we would go talk to these people. Mm-hmm. And um, God just kind of put couples in our life, especially yeah. when Rick and I were having such a struggle with our marriage. Yeah. He just put a couple in our life, and we knew God would speak through them to us we we just knew it and they did Mm -hmm. you know they had things from god that we really needed to hear yeah we we laugh about it we said if 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 they tell us if they told me to go if that 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 the answer to the issue would be to stand on my head for 30 minutes a day i probably would have done it (laughs) (laughs) you know and and not because we were blind about it but we just i just I know the issues that I was going through. I just, I, I didn't know what to do. And I was just hungry for help. I just, I knew I needed help. And like Gail said, this couple just was just extremely helpful to us. And once again, they were gracious and wise and they cared for us. We just, we just knew they loved us. Hmm. And I, you just, you just know that. And so when people, um, you know, treat you like that, or you feel that from them, you're, you're, you can be very vulnerable with them and they're a safe place to be. Mm-hmm. 
I'll never forget this happened a number of years ago. I was in a bookstore and um, I was, you know, just browsing around. Uh, I love books. And so I'm browsing around. I'm in this section and I hear these two ladies talking and they're talking about, I can't remember what it was, but it was something about a child that was going through a really difficult time. And, and I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but they were kind of loud and here this this lady was, she was in a bookstore looking for answers to her problem with her child. And I just thought, what are you doing? I just and I just thought this is what the world does. They 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 now they just get on Google and they Google a problem and there's an answer, supposed answer. They don't know where the answer's coming from. They don't know this person from, you know, from Adam. And uh, then they just start reading stuff. And it's like, oh, this will help. And it's just like, really? I just think, you know, and what we need to realize, for me anyway, is that, look, you know, we've got all these amazing promises in Scripture about prayer. And sometimes I wonder, okay, do we really believe what Jesus and what the Bible says about prayer? Yeah. Um, because God, he, one thing, excuse me, you can see through all of Scripture is that God's a communicative God. He loves to communicate with his people mm-hmm. and he communicates in a variety of ways. He'll communicate through other people. Sometimes he'll communicate through the voice of the Holy Spirit, but he loves to do that. And I just think if we just can take the time um, and I, I know it's, it, we don't always get the answers that, you know, it takes time. Like Gail said, she, she prayed for 40 years for this one person to come to Christ and, and over 40 years and this person you know, two weeks before they passed away, they came to Christ. But it, we went back and counted, and it was 40 years that she had prayed for this person. Mm. So, mm. you know, it can be exhausting and, and deflating, but to have confidence, not only are we praying, but here, the Scripture tells us Jesus is interceding for us. I mean, it doesn't mm. get any better than that. They have the Son of God seated at the right hand of the Father, knowing He's praying for us, and His prayers are so much better than our own. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I... I guess being a part of the younger generation, I get, you know, hey, I don't want to trouble anyone else. I could just look this up myself. I'll save a little yeah. bit of time. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to waste anybody else's time. Other people are busy. Um, but then, yeah, you got to kind of sift through and you get this list of, I could try this or that. And then, and then how do you decide, you know, it gets to be kind of, kind of chaotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. definitely seems like if there's one thing we don't need, it's more information. Like we have <laughs> access to so much information all the time from yeah. Googling things and social media and all these things on gentle parenting and like all the fads and the things that you'll see. Um, but I mean, what you guys are saying is just like, we have access to the God who made our children. We have yeah the ear of the creator who knows exactly what's going on inside their mind and what's motivating their behaviors and what will help them get through it. And then, as you said in the previous seminar, dad, you said, God and his divine wisdom chose me to be this child's parent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's like we've been put there strategically to be the one to pray and to ask him for input. Um, Yeah. And, he's less overwhelming than Google. Yeah. 
<laughs> and sometimes it, 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 it's by faith because you think, I don't, I don't have a clue what I'm doing here. I've never been a parent before. What am I supposed to do? But once again, like you just said, Shannon, it's by faith. Look, God gave us this child. Mm-hmm. So therefore, he's, he's got something for us here in this. And he obviously is going to give us the grace to do this. And so, you know, we're going to trust him. We're, we're going to do this. You just can't stop. You can't just say, okay, I quit. Right. <laughs> you, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you got to get up the next day and do it all again. So mm-hmm. anyway, although Gail wanted to quit, you want to share that story? Yeah. <laughs> yep, that was my doing, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How was. old was Seth? Tell that story, <laughs> Mom. Tell that story. No, it, it was, I had just had a trying day with um, one of my sons. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think me. I called Rick and I said, I just want you to know I quit. I just quit. I'm done. I'm done. Because that's okay. It's okay, Gail. <laughs> so, but. Thanks for not really quitting, Mom. <laughs> I second that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that that we'll um, kind of address here is, I know um, for years when uh, I had, I, I don't think I would ever say this, but I, it was in my thought pattern, is that um, you know, as a husband, I knew in my brain and in, and in scripture, you know, I was the one who, you know, I was responsible ultimately for the family. I was to take the lead, not in a domineering way, but in a in a in a help way and leading, you know, setting, working together, setting the tone for us to work together and that sort of thing. But I think in the back of my mind, what, what, what was really there was like, when I would get home, it's like, okay, how can I help Gail with the kids? And I wasn't, so I would, I, a lot of times I just say, what do you need me to do? And what she really needed me to do was to kind of take the lead versus, you know, I, I don't, need you to help me. I need you to assume responsibility. And, and, um, I didn't always do a good job of that. There were some things I got right. So we, um, one of the things we talked about is that I would, um, I don't know what point I asked, but at some point I asked her, Hey, when's the busiest time of your day? When do you need me the most? And she said, look, when you get home from work, I need you just to take the boys. I've been with them all day. Um, I'm trying to get dinner on. It would really help me because a lot of times I'd come home and I'd talk to her about work and, you know, and, and so here she's trying to be a good listener and yet she's, you know, got so much on her plate. So, um, but I think husbands by and large, we can get into the mode unknowingly thinking, Oh, I'm going to help my wife with the kids. Well, she doesn't need your help. She needs you to take the lead, but not to take over, but to take the lead in working with her in terms of what's the plan. How do you go about this? Because you're a team and God puts you together. And so it's you can get into either one of those ditches where you don't do anything or you or you dominate. And it's it's in the middle where you where you take the lead by working together and serving her in that way. Mm. Yeah. Mom, what did that feel like when dad started to engage more? What 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 did that feel like from your perspective? <laughs> We talked about this after. <laughs> I don't know. Did we, after they were gone, I don't know if we sorted through it when they were 
Um, yeah, we could have done a lot better when you guys, yeah, were. Yeah, were sorry. I mean, we did, you know, we did talk. Obviously, we talked about things, but usually, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. When you get older, you forget things. I mean, so I don't <laughs> mm-hmm. know. Our, our history of everything is kind of skewed, probably. But I, I think looking back, we both feel like, look, we could have done a much better job working together. Hmm. And it wasn't like we worked separately, but we just, we just didn't, um, we didn't, uh, I, I think if we would have had, you know, a set time every week where we're talking, saying, hey, this is going to be our time. We're going to talk about the family. We're going to talk about the kids and, you know, evaluate what do we need to do? Who needs attention here? Who, you know, that kind of thing. I think that, you know, having built that into our schedule, that would have been helpful. Hmm. Um and I, I wish we would have done it. We didn't do that as much. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I know something. Something that's really struck me in thinking about want, wanting to engage, like wanting to be a dad, like you were saying, that engages and not just, oh, they're your kids, and I'll jump in now and then. But yeah. there are kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just seeing the power that dads have in the life of kids. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a pretty sobering and humbling thing. I mean, the, the power that dads have for good or for, um, or for destruction. And uh, so many times, um, people that we've, um, people that we've counseled or, uh, people going through really difficult, deep heart stuff. It like so many times it goes back to a father, something with their father. Um, and on the flip side, you know, people who are, who are doing well, who are, um, secure and grounded. A lot of times that goes, not, not that, I mean, both moms and dads have amazing responsibility, but just as a dad realizing, man, the good that I can do in my kids' lives, just by showing up and be like owning this, this is my family. These are my kids. The effect, yeah. the effect that that will have is yeah. amazing. And, and, and I, it's, it's important for the wife, when, when, when the husband doesn't see that, it's important for her to say something. And she doesn't have to say it out of anger, although I understand sometimes they get frustrated, and understandably so. But she needs to point it out. Like, for example, um, your mom was really good when we'd go back to visit relatives, whether it was my relatives or her relatives, I, I wasn't always engaged with you boys, you know, I mean, you know, it's like, where are the boys? Oh, uh, hopefully they're alive somewhere. I mean, you know, and so, <laughs> but she knew she, you know, she wanted to, especially when you were toddlers, like, look, you can't just leave them alone. They get into stuff and they, you know, so we got to keep an eye on them. I just was um, horrible. I just wouldn't. And so it took a long time, but your mom was really helpful and saying, look, you know, so when it became more of an issue, I remember, you know, we'd drive back to relatives and on the way driving, she'd say, okay, can we talk about this before we get there? And say, okay, yes, let's talk about this. How are we going to do this together? And so we'd talk it through and, and then we would, you know, we'd mm-hmm. try and do that. And, and even like, you know, when you're invited over to someone's place, you know, your mom was really good about keeping bedtimes, you know, wanting to keep. So, you know, somebody would have us over and so we'd be driving over and Gail would say, okay, what time are we going to leave? You know, what time do we need to get the kid? And it's like, I wouldn't even be thinking along those lines. So, 
I was really grateful that she wouldn't just keep that in because then later you just get angry about it and stuff, but she'd talk about it and she would verbalize it. So then it's like, Oh yeah, we're working together here. Let's do this. And so that was, that was really helpful. Sorry, mom. I'm laughing because we've had like the exact same conversations. (laughs) (laughs) They're good conversations to have where you set up like, what what are you expecting? What am I, how do we talk about the expectations in advance and then we won't be irritated. Yeah, it was the same. I wasn't, it was just kind of off my radar. Um, I remember when we had our second kid, you talking to me about, hey, I need you to engage. I need you to actually think about your children. (laughs) <laughs> it's like oh, I actually can't change what? two diapers at the same time. I'm going to need you to pick oh, a kid and change a diaper. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think I'd, I'd be curious, Mom, if you would have some wisdom on on voicing those things with respect, because it does seem to me in some of the in some situations I've kind of witnessed that a wife is kind of griping that. Her husband does not help with things, but then anything he does, she criticizes and I've seen it and I'm like, well, no wonder he doesn't help because everything he does, you find fault with. Um, and it's actually kind of made that the verse in Proverbs. I just looked at that Proverbs 14, one, where it says every wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, a fool tears hers down. And thinking like the the mental picture of a woman actually like just pulling down her house, but thinking of her family as as her house, and like she can build has the power to build them up and encourage them, and she has the power to ter- tear them down. So likewise, if she's not wanting to do everything herself, then releasing some of the things of like, well, if I ask him to help the kids pick out clothes, they're going to pick out clothes. It might not be what I would have picked, but that's okay. And but I, I would be curious how how do we respectfully make those appeals and and also choose when it's time to to bite our tongue and think this isn't something those aren't the pajamas I would have put the kids in so what I don't I just need to be thankful and appreciate hey thanks for getting the kids in their pajamas how do we mm-hmm. communicate respectfully. Well, I'm not saying I did very well when the boys were growing up because <laughs> Rick and I had a lot of communication problems where we didn't always listen to each other and everything. But I agree with you on saying there are some battles to pick and, you know, and some not to, especially with. Rick did things different than maybe I would at times. And you just have to go, it's really not that important what they put him in. Or if it is, then to talk to him, hey, I'm having a hard time with this. Let's talk about it. Um, How do you see it? This is how I see it. And then kind of working together until you're both kind of on the same page. I did have more of a tendency that I didn't always keep quiet. I usually talked to him. (laughs) I remember a lot of times, and this is one thing that was helpful, Shannon, in terms of the respectful part, is she would wait till after you know, maybe the dust had settled and that whatever thing had happened. And then later at night she would say, Hey, can we talk about this? Hmm. And it was like, Oh, 
yeah, I guess we do need to talk about this. And so then she'd bring it up and she would do it in a non-threatening, you know, sort of way. And she would, she would, you know, seek to be respectful and stuff. So she was good about that, you know, in terms of in the heat of the moment, those conversations are difficult Mm because you're frustrated, but, but when you deal with it later, um, you know, not four days later, but maybe later that night and, Gail would, I could tell, because when she'd start, she'd, she'd be real calm. She'd say, okay, I need to talk to you about something. And usually when a husband hears that, it's like, oh, gee, here we go. <laughs> but that's just my own insecurity. That's not on her. That's, yeah. that's on me. So she would be really good about waiting to the appropriate time. And then the emotions weren't really engaged for her, you know, because she would have been frustrated earlier, but she had dealt with it. So it was good. Hmm. So I think women always, they just kind of want to connect. They want to connect with their husband. They want to decide things together. They don't want to be separate. They don't usually want to take the ball and just lead and do all that. They just, but they want a husband who's going to listen, who's going to work with them, who will talk to them, that their concerns they'll listen to and work together until they get a solution. I don't feel like I have to have my way. I don't think Rick feels like he has to have his way, but I want to work together to get a solution that we think is best for our family mm-hmm. and what we think is, yeah. is good. And it took us a long time to figure out how to communicate that way because Gail would, she would ask me a question. So she'd ask for my thoughts and I would give her my thoughts. And then I would notice that the conversation just kind of stopped. And I thought, okay, well, what happened here? And her tone would change and her attitude would change. So, okay, what just happened here? She goes, well, you pretty much told me how you wanted it. And I said, well, no, you were asking me for my thoughts. So I gave you my thoughts. And and she goes, well, I need you to come back to me and say, what do you think? I thought, really? (laughs) It's like, I thought it was pretty obvious. You asked my thoughts, you're going to give me your thoughts and we're going to talk about it. But, you know, if we didn't talk about it, I just go on because I thought she just wanted to know what I thought. But, no, she was wanting to make a decision, <laughs> yeah. and she connects in the decision. Yeah. She mm-hmm. doesn't really care most of the time what the decision is. She does. But the main thing is she wants to connect. And so it took us a long time. So now it's like I will give her my thoughts, and sometimes I'll say, no, that's just my thought. That's not a decision. That's just how I think. Hmm. What do you think? You know, and so, so, but it's, it took a long time to get to that place. Is, I'm really grateful, mom, for your, just your commitment to working things out until yeah. they're worked out, you know, cause it's, yeah. sometimes it feels easier just to I'll just not talk about it. We got through it. So we're through it, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it's the kind of fight or flight personality wise. I'm probably more on the flight side um but just seeing just your commitment i knew you and dad work stuff out um i knew you you guys had zach and i work stuff out um that was i'm sure that took extra time that's not a convenient thing to teach boys to brothers to work stuff out right um (laughs) but yeah just your commitment to that has been that's set such a foundation for us. I think you want to tell me the story about throwing the ball back. Yeah, yeah the ball. 
Did we? Oh, did you talk about that in the seminar? No. Oh no, no you we didn't. didn't. No, we didn't talk about that. I'll tell yeah. part. I'll tell the story then. You can jump <laughs> yeah, in you if I. Uh, so I, uh, mom would drive my brother and I to and from school. Um, I don't remember Zach being in the car. Did he? You did maybe he, did got we go at a, at a different time? Maybe. I don't yeah, I can't remember. You earlier once you were in high school yeah oh that's true yeah he if he was in middle school and I was in high school anyway we'd uh so we'd be driving and um you would be asking me questions about my day maybe coming home from school and you know I was the I was the typical male teenager you know how was your day (laughs) fine yeah what was what was fine about it I don't know it's just fine not much homework (laughs) and then silence you know (laughs) finally Mom was, uh, I don't know if you were just frustrated or, uh, but I just remember her saying, Seth, conversation is like playing catch. I just threw you the ball and you dropped it. You got to throw it back. It's like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, just how I, you taught me how to have conversation it probably, it probably took longer than that one conversation, but I do remember the playing catch. Mm-hmm. It, I, it still comes. It still comes up every once in a while. Okay, I just threw you the ball. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And now I realize we just said don't necessarily go to Google for answers, but you can actually now Google fifty different ways to ask your kids about their day that won't result oh in a one-word answer. Friend. And I'm like, that actually could kind of be helpful. Oh, like, God can drop them into your mind, or you can have a list of 50 questions. There you yeah. go. There so. you go. Yeah. That's fun. Let me say one more thing. It was more just kind of a point, um, because I know how it, you know, when you first bring a kid home from the hospital and you think, yeah. no one gave me an instruction manual. How do you, how do you do this? Are you sure you want to trust me? You know, they're like checking out the car seat and everything. And then they're like, all right, go. And you just take the kid and then that's it. (laughs) And, uh, but how, how amazing it is that, uh, in a way God kind of, you just kind of get tossed in, in the deep end. You're like, I've never done this before. Um, and, and even with all our, all our faults, and issues and issues that we I'm sure don't even realize that we have that later our kids will discover. Um, and probably mimic back to us. Like, mi- oh, oh that's my issue. I see in that kid. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yet even in that, um, having the joy of getting to know your kids and getting to see them grow up and getting to, um, see the see the strengths and weaknesses see the family dynamic and and feel god helping you i mean like you guys shared god was clearly speaking and bringing people alongside and bringing encouragement and here we are now i mean my life is so many answered prayers that you guys prayed my brother zach his life is so many answered prayers that you guys prayed and that just that we get to be a part of that. And we get to, now we get to do that with your grandkids. You know, we're praying prayers for them. And you're, you're praying uh, probably even more prayers than we're praying for our kids. And <laughs> getting to see God do amazing things in their lives. It just is yeah. amazing. 
that yeah. we get to be a part of something like that in all of our mess, and yet God uses it to do something yeah. beautiful. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I know as a, as a man, you go through life and you, you, you live with this feel, this sense of, oh, I want to make an impact on people's lives. I want to I want to leave a legacy in the world. And I think one, sometimes for men, what gets lost is, listen, the greatest impact you can have is going to probably come through your family and, th- you know, through your kids. And sometimes they just get neglected because, like I said in the seminar, sometimes we compartmentalize life. So we've got family here, you got church here, you got, and it's just, it's not, it's not biblical thinking. It's all kingdom. And these kids represent the primary kingdom work for us as parents and you know you don't think about this when you're when you're younger because you got these kids that desperately need you and they're you know when they're toddlers and they're younger and babies and stuff you feel like you're going to lose your mind (laughs) but as you get older you see this thing happen in front of you and you think oh my goodness how did we get from two boys to now we've got two daughter-in-laws, to now we have eight grandkids. And you just, you look at that and you think, yeah, you just see how God's faithfulness and then the impact that you never, ever would have dreamed of, now you have. And so um, I I just, especially men, I just would want to encourage them as much as possible. Look, you know, raising these kids, this is, you know, this is priority number one, and uh, your your greatest kingdom work starts right there in your own home. And then, also, this is just a thought: is that I, I knew right at the beginning they weren't my kids. Yeah, they were God's. They yeah. were always God's, and He gave me eighteen years to yeah. enjoy my boys yeah. and to love on them and to care for them as best as I knew. But ultimately, they were always his kids. They were always his. But um, and I didn't do everything right. I look back and I look at you guys and think, oh, my goodness, you're raising your kids so much better than we did. But they were God's kids. So God's the one that's responsible for them. God will walk them through what they need to. And he just let Rick and I enjoy him for 18 years in our home. We still enjoy you, but we got (laughs) you in our home for 18 years. Why, thank you. I had heard a a speaker a while ago, um, I think kind of a notable, famous speaker, he had said, Um, one day he made the decision, I want the people who know me the best to be the ones who respect me the most. um, Because it can be easy to, you know, if you you have some sort of platform, um, whether that's, you know, through your job, through work, through church, um, to sort of gravitate towards where the appreciation feels like it comes from, yep. you know, and yeah. kids with diapers don't appreciate you. <laughs> nope, not not very you're much. Right. <laughs> you're right. You're exactly right. But uh, right. I heard that and I thought, oh, I want, I want that. I want people who know me. I want the people closest to me to be the ones who respect me the most. And yeah. um, I know just you guys did that. I mean, I have the most respect for you guys. I know Zach would say the same thing. 
just seeing the way you loved us and followed Jesus, there's not anyone I respect more in their parenting mm-hmm. than you guys. Well, you're very gracious. Yes. We, <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> Let me see how I can do summing up. Lots of communication between yeah. parents about your kids, things in advance that you can foresee needing to be on the same page about, and then things after the fact that you realize, okay, how can we move more on the same page? So having lots of conversation, even more important, praying, praying together, praying individually, praying in the moment, praying out of the moment, praying for your kids, asking God for insight and help. Um, I heard you saying, enjoying your kids enjoying having them around like just who God made them to be. And you get to, you get to watch it unfold in front of you. So enjoying and more prayer. Lots of prayer. <laughs> Lots of prayer. Yeah. Um, I think that was the highlights. So we always, we like to end these episodes with a quote <laughs> from the Heim family quote board. Well, I was curious if before we do a, a goofy quote, could we have dad just pray for us as people who are currently parenting, parenting or both of them just pray for parents that we would have God's heart for our kids. Yeah, please. Father, we just thank you that um, you are our God, that you love us, that you are one that really desires for us to come to you Mm -hmm. and ask you to help us. And so I pray for these parents there. They're in an era that they are bombarded by a lot of things, Father, a lot of information and everything. And I pray for them that their first tendency would be to go to you for everything, for their family, for their kids, that they would, you give them ears to hear you, Mm -hmm. that you would um, give them hearts to seek after Mm -hmm. you, that um, you would just be their all, Father, and that Mm -hmm. they would... um, they would just really yeah. hear you on, yeah. for their family and their kids come to know you more yeah. and um, to help them with their kids. Yeah. Yeah. Father, we just <clears throat> pray for these uh, uh, parents uh, with, of these kids that we're, that we're talking about that we're, we're praying for. We ask God that you would pour out grace on yeah. them Oh God, that they would not feel like they've got to get it all right. Mm-hmm. None of us um, have raised perfect kids. None of us have done it right all the time. And yet you still gave us kids as a gift. Even though you knew we were going to blow it at times, you still gave us these wonderful, precious gifts. And so I just pray for parents that they would lay down any sense of, hey, I've got to get this right. I've got to do it all right now. They just need to follow you every step of the way, moment by moment. So we just pray, pour out your grace, your mm-hmm. encouragement. Uh, speak to them. Let them know how much you love them. Oh, God, how pleased you are that they are raising the kids that you gave them the best they can, trusting you every step of the way. Pour out your blessing on them in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 All right, this comes to the quote of the day from the Heim Family Quote Board. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So if you've been to our house, you know, we have a whiteboard by our dinner table and anything that gets said in the house that's goofy or particularly entertaining gets written up there. And once it's full, we take a picture, 
and we save all those pictures. So we are ending our episodes with a quote from our kids. All right. What do you got? All right. The quote for today is from 2017. And my four-year-old daughter, I can imagine the scenario that was going on, but I said, Tabby, did you leave your grumpiness upstairs? And she said, no, it's in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you all for joining us this evening. Maybe it's not this evening. They could be listening to this in the morning. Maybe you're listening to it in the morning. They're like early morning podcast listeners. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. It, uh, it's been a privilege. We hope this has been encouraging and helpful. And uh, we're looking forward to next time. Bye for now. Bye.